Hi, this is Kenneth Johnson, creator of Alien Nation, and you're listening to the Dead TV Podcast. Another exciting episode of the Dead TV Podcast, a podcast dedicated to any and all canceled TV series in the sci-fi, fantasy, and horror genre, and we're staying in the realm of science fiction, but leaving the 80s into the 90s with these two episodes as they take place at the end of the year, the beginning of the year, for Alien Nation. And joining me for Alien Nation from Trick or Treat Radio, Mr. Zedica is still on sabbatical with her uh, amazing new BDSM club in Pennsylvania you can go check out, and uh, we'll have plenty of jokes about that when she returns. Uh, we have returning to uh, the Dead TV podcast, Michael Ravenshadow. Babalo, what's up, Dr. Chris? Good to be back. Fantastic to have you back. I think the last time you came on was for Clerks, the animated series? I think it was either Clerks or Swamp Thing. I think we did Swamp Thing after Clerks because I do remember, I think we were on the eve of Jay and Silent Bob reboot coming out. I think we have just gone and see it together, and then lockdown happened. That sounds right. Actually, yeah, yeah. That was probably the first, yeah, oh heavens. That was a while ago. Yeah. the uh, Working at a comic book store, That's Entertainment in Worcester, have you read the Clerks Quick Stop comic book? I've not seen that yet. No, no. Um, but I definitely had all the old, what was it, Omni, Oni Press stuff? Yeah. Yeah, all, all those. Mm. Yeah, those were good. Uh, the new one is really good too. It's definitely like a fill in the gap story continuity. Nice. Uh, the first movie, the first comic book. And I don't want to spoil too much about the rest of them. Uh, takes place before and in the middle of Jay and Silent Bob reboot. And it's about Melissa okay. and Holden McNeil. Oh, interesting. Which, if you've seen the movie, you know what happened to those two characters. Right, movie, right. Which is pretty uh, nice. And God. Everyone, I want Kevin's. I want to, because Kevin's has been a parent for so long. I want him to make that movie where Melissa and Holden are parents now, even though they're not together, and she is married to a woman, but they've gotten past that shit in their relationship. I want that movie. Like, do the Jersey Girl movie that everyone wants. <laughs> that actually wouldn't be bad. No, I think that would be amazing because he, Chasing Amy is so well regarded, and he can write some decent romance. And, and it's not a romance anymore. It's about two people co-parenting. One's a lesbian, and one's creator of Bloodman and Chronic. Yeah, and I think I think now's probably a really good time for that. Especially in this day and age where people are co-parenting, and maybe your partner's becoming become something else. Right, right. So and I think it would be a great idea, especially if you can recap, you know, put uh, Logan uh, Muse back in it. And uh, yep, yep. Chase um, Muse just had another baby recently. Jesus. Yeah. But, speaking of babies and all sorts of weird stuff, we'll get into all that, uh, and uh, equal rights too, boy oh boy. I gave you a couple of episodes that were polarizing. <laughs> I, was, I did not realize the second episode was going to be so fucking relevant. But before we get to that, how was your, what was your first exposure to Alien Nation, the TV series, and the movie starring the late, great James Conn? So, I was looking in... in this show started in 89 
correct? Like I thought it was earlier 90s than that. Um, 1989, so it's an 80s, 90s show. Which is crazy. So the first movie was 87, 88? Yep. Okay, so so I was, I was 13, 89, and I remember... 13 and 89, okay. Yes, yeah. <laughs> To get, the right age to go see the Batman movies, like oh, that. exactly. Yeah, June 23rd, 1989, I remember. Um, so, and my parents would take me to go see R-rated movies. Uh, it was the 80s is what you, is what you did. But um, I had not seen the movie in theaters, but I saw it on VHS. Me too. When we just rented everything. It was cool. Yeah. Um, and I guess maybe yeah, it, when you're younger, you want more, oh, it's science fiction, but it's really not science fiction. It's like one dude. But looking back now, because I actually rewatched the movie as as a grown up, and I think it's really ahead of its time. And watching the ideas in the film, but watching these two episodes in particular, definitely was ahead of its time um, and more relevant now probably than it was in nineteen eighty nine ninety. Did you do you remember the pilot? Um, I don't know if you rewatched rewatched the pilot before watching these two episodes. Um, in the pilot, um, George gets a gets a report that there is a protest of purifiers who we meet in this episode um, at Emily's school. They realize it's the school uh, at elementary school and realize it's Emily's school. So him and Matt immediately run over there. This is after Matt, by the way, visits his partner's grave. Now his partner is killed the exact same way in flashbacks as he is in the movie. So they do cut. Basically, the pilot seems like it picks up from when George joins the precinct and then goes into like an alternate timeline story. Okay. Because Matt's daughter does not get married at any point in the show, whereas in the movie she gets she gets married. Right, right. So, um, so Matt and George meet uh, Susan at elementary school, and the purifiers are there because uh, Emily is the first alien to go to school, like the first black person going to school. Oh. And the purifiers are like. Um, you know, we we don't want them here. And then Matt pulls a gun out and 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 starts screaming at like how like maybe we should like put a number on their arm. Points to a Jew. He goes, maybe we should round him up and put him in chains and puts him to a black guy. And maybe we should do this and points to a Polish guy or whatever. And he goes, maybe we should just execute them. And he pulls the gun out and Emily or whatever. And the girl, the woman, the the, the woman preaching against her going to school is like, no, we don't want that. Then what do you want? They deserve to live, but not here with us. He's like, they belong here. And it's just, it's, it's so powerful. Now, what I've learned, unfortunately, later on, is the actor who played Matthew Sykes or whatever, mm, politics are not so great. Uh, yeah, but Eric Pierpoint came on the show to talk about that scene and uh, him playing George and, and being in the makeup. So, because George has come on, uh, Eric Pierpoint, uh, Kenneth Johnson, the creator of Alienations, come on. And uh, recently, we just had the absolutely lovely uh, actress who played uh, Kathy. Oh. Yes. Who I admitted uh, my, like, absolute, like, desires for Kathy. Like Terry Terry. Yes. Okay. She's now currently an art teacher. She's pretty much left her career behind, but uh, she, she does get her students to be like, Are you, were you on some TV show in the 80s? Okay. Because <laughs> As a bald alien. Because <laughs> one thing I've learned rewatching this movie in these two episodes, I think I have a newcomer thing. Oh really? I think I might because I, I like her. <laughs> I liked uh, the one in uh, the movie that um, James Con like double checks or whatever after like he's like mm, 
maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do love it in another episode, George, because um, uh, Matt's asking questions about newcomer women, and George is just like, are you interested in a newcomer? Is it Kathy? He's like, no, why would you make you believe? Because you two are compatible ages, and you live in the same apartment together, and she yeah. has spoken about your, you know, your, the two of you spending time together. <laughs> Which, no, we, we have kind of gone over. Uh, they do eventually get together. Okay. But it, it's not until after the show has ended and the miniseries comes along. Okay, so I thought they were together from the episodes I saw. No, it takes a long time. It's a small, oh, but they do eventually get together. Kind in of fact, they won't they? See yeah, the and then they do, thing. and okay. um, they have a whole. Um, they they even go to like a newcomer human class on how to like it be intimate. And I remember in one of the scenes of the class they take, there is a gay couple there too, which was also pretty progressive at the time. Yeah, there's a gay white man and a white newcomer guy. Wow. Yeah. So. So that is that is big for for back then. Yeah, definitely, especially in the nineties. Yeah, yeah. So, but um, yeah. So, and then you learned about the TV show. Yeah, yeah. So I know it was on. So I mean, I think even looking back, I mean, I guess being older, it's different now, right? We there's no more appointment viewing for the most part. We can watch things at our leisure. We can stream things, but back in the day, you had to watch when things were on. Mm-hmm. And I think really. You get used to being on certain channels or you watch certain shows and it just, I would come across it flipping channels maybe if something was, whatever, whatever was up against it at that time. I don't even know when it was on originally, probably like Friday night at 8, right? That's where all the sci-fi shows would go to, would go to die. But I'd catch it here and there. And funny, that line you just said to me, I do remember seeing that episode about, you know, compatible in the same building. That just took me back. But, um, but watching it again... Yeah, I, I was really interested into the world, and I think it fleshed out more than the movie could really convey. Because really, the movie just took newcomers and made a plot to gain money, essentially. Mm. You know, um, they'd have Terrence Stamp, which I was very surprised. Yes! <laughs> totally forgot he was in that until I watched the movie. And then um, uh, Manny Patinkin was oh. with George San Francisco. And they also played up a lot more too, by the way. The um, the um, if we got to smooth this back and forth. It's fine. It, is uh, they played up a lot, um, and they don't want to show that often, except for that one episode where it's like um, Russian roulette that the newcomers are allergic to seawater, and it's like t- it's it's acid to them. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And there's an episode where they play like a Russian roulette or whatever, and George has um, at the end of the episode, you find out, switched out the seawater for uh, just regular tap water. So uh, the guy gets sprayed or whatever, and realizes he's fine. Oh, shit. But George says that I switched it out before, or whatever. So, yeah. Gotcha. But uh, yeah, they don't probably bring that up all that often because of just the fact that the movie obviously had a better way to rate things than the TV series did, or whatever. And the newcomers dissolving into puddles of goo is pretty gross. <laughs> like it does happen in the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like horrific. It reminds me of the same special effects as the guy who gets melted in RoboCop. <laughs> it's, not, it's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which that scene was terrifying as well. Yeah. But also added the, so obviously the, well, not obviously, but um, they're aliens. They have different genetics than us. So for them, they get drunk on sour milk. Yeah, that's weird. Um, and Which they, I would come over to my house because I'm, I live alone. So they would have a, a smorgasbord in my fridge. Wait, but so you Well, you know, I just have a, I put them in the back. I just, oh, okay. I just. <laughs> The two episodes that we're talking about, The Red Room, um, uh, 
The first episode that we're talking about is The Red Room. Original air date is December 18th, 1989. Do you have notes for this? You remembered everything. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Look at you. Wow, I have to take notes. A break-in in a behavioral lab in a series of execution-style murders dredges up buried memories for Francisco. There's two things this reminded me of. A, because I just watched Soldier, and that reminds me of it a lot. And Black Widow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. The Red Room, Black Widow. You can't, if you, I mean, it, it's uh, it's so obvious, especially after that movie finally came out, and you get the whole backstory of, of uh, the Black Widow program. Yeah. So, it, it's unbelievable. Um, the, okay, so beginning my notes. Um, Kathy is a biochemist, which I don't think we learned in a previous episode, but we do now. And, Ka- and uh, Matt comes to Kathy for uh, information. And I wasn't sure that either. So, and she wasn't in the film, so she's a character just for, for the TV show. Is that correct? Okay. Um, and I, could, I did marvel at, I forget which episode it was, but her, uh, <laughs> her computer setup was definitely high tech. For, uh <laughs> yeah, we can, we'll get into that. We'll, We'll definitely get into that because the computer setup in that is very like, <laughs> um, you know, very <laughs> '80s with its like DOS programming and stuff like that. Um, but uh, it's 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 a little part of their bud, um, budding uh, relationship that he you know goes with her, even though she's pointed out several times that she is twice the strength he is, yeah. even as a man. Um, that but it's it's very sweet because of the. You know how she, you know how their their romance seems to be, you know budget, you know um, budding romance, very uh, childlike. Um, the uh, name of the project is Project Dart. What did that remind you of? Um, like with the soldier type stuff. Yeah. Like definitely. Stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, like. <sighs> I'm not sure where this started in like pop culture and stories. Obviously, there's been clandestine organizations grooming people to be assassins or super soldiers for, for years now. Um, but when the Red Room, specific, specifically Red Room, added to the Black Widow mythos, was that in the last 20 years, 20, 30 years? Yeah, I don't think that was a uh, thing prior to more recent continuity. Right. Um, I think there was always a Black Widow program. I just don't think it was quite as explored as it was in the MCU, and now it's just become part of the regular Marvel continuity. Cause like, let, let's wait, let's let's like let's face it. Red Guardian was not that big of a thing. Uh, what, so wasn't she married to Red Guardian in the comics? We're getting way off topic, but yeah, well, I'm on. Um, but but still, I guess the could they have could they have. I'm not saying they stole it from Alienation, but um, I wonder how much was cherry picked from from this franchise um, as it went along. But I thought I really liked the exploration of what's going to happen if Israeli aliens, and even down to yeah, the government would see if they could use them for weapons. That makes sense. What they're they're thirty percent smarter than humans, stronger, um, different physiology. So it would make sense, and they could use a lot of testing under the guise of quarantine, like they were in. Where and I'm sure you covered this. Obviously, the fact that they were they were kind of like a slave race that 
crash land to earth, so they were they were bred to be to be workers. So yeah, um, it would make sense the government might see well, you know, let's see who we have. How can we use these aliens? How can we use them for our nefarious government means? Right, which is what um, the the fake Detective Jefferson comes up with. Uh, he um, uh, he presents himself as a detective, but he's actually later revealed to be a, like a CIA spook and part of this whole um, uh, men who talk with goats kind of program. <laughs> um, this is uh, training super soldiers, Captain America style, um, which I didn't realize how far back this went in television because I don't remember a lot of TV covering stuff like this. Comic books, yes. But um, I don't even think like Universal Soldier was out at this time yet. No. I mean, again, yeah, we had Captain America, but we, we, we didn't really have a lot of, as far as I can remember, of like the train programmed, you know, do, do or do not, take no bullshit orders kind of robotic programming um, around this time yet, other than in like kitsch science fiction things like Alienation. Um so a big problem when I take my notes is I do, I'm trying to do it in pencil, and then sometimes I forget that the reflection or whatever of the pencil does not show up very well. <laughs> um, they play Monopoly, too, which is hilarious. And uh, Susan's like, you have all the money, George. He's like, but I don't have utilities. I haven't won yet. And she's like, I'm done playing this game. <laughs> how, how good or bad of a Monopoly player were you? I don't think I've ever finished... I'm 46 years old. I don't think I've ever finished a Monopoly game in my life. I think we all... Either the power came back on, or for whatever reason, you, you went to bed. It's just... Yeah, but uh, I, I, I liked Monopoly, but no, ne- never finished a game. But what I did like, too, is the family dynamic. I really like George and his family. I like his kid. I like that, I liked that she ate wood chips. That was endearing to that me for some weird. reason. <laughs> um, but even that was a great way to show the family dynamic of them, you know, uh, embracing human culture. But also, too, it also had that trigger scene where, you know, put the red room. No, that's a hotel. That's a red house. But he used the game to trigger his memory to what he was involved with when he came to the to Earth originally. Oh. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, we're having technical malfunctions here in the studio. Um, so the one thing, the one person I noticed who was not in this episode or the other episode, by the way, is Grandpa. There's a Grandpa character. I think it's George's dad. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, he wears, like, women's clothing. Oh, okay. He's the other guy in the... Yeah, yeah. I think he's, like, the Grandpa in drag because he's always wearing, like, a muumuu or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Um, and he's like, he, he, he definitely has like a big connection with Bud, uh, because he was like a rebellious youth and Bud at one point was written like the rebellious youth. Like Bud was in trouble a lot. And that was, I didn't think that seemed to have gone away after a couple episodes, like, cause Bud gets like arrested and put under house arrest or whatever. And that plot has gone nowhere either because that's supposed to be for like 10 months. And this show did not like the show was like one season. (laughs) So I think the writers are like, yeah, we're not going to do that because otherwise Bud can't do anything other than stay at the house with an ankle bracelet (laughs) because he was involved in a gang and they were a human gang and there were a bunch of misfits and somebody got killed, but it wasn't Bud responsible for it, but he was involved with it. So he got a slap on the wrist house arrest. You know what I mean? His dad being a cop or whatever. It's, it's, you know, Again, that just went nowhere. <laughs> they, they, they got it done in like one or, one or two episodes. Um, oh my god, this whole thing just fell apart. We have a uh, microphone just completely fell apart on us. 
That is ridiculous. What is that attached to? All the way up there? That is too funny. Okay, I'll go off my notes. Don't worry about it, man. <laughs> um, we're in the makeshift recording studio because the uh, regular recording studio is being used as the broadcasting studio here at WCW where I do most of the recordings for this thing. Um, let's see. Um, uh, okay, so eventually Matt does find out who the fake detective is. Um, and... By the way, uh, did you happen to get see what year the TV show takes place? No, I was looking. I was looking for that. Okay, so on the computer, on the, on the station computer, it says 1995. Okay. So even though the show takes place in 1999, it's supposed to be a little bit into the future. And I figured that with the next episode. I figured that next episode's title, um, and they mentioned that it was five years they had been Hold on, the quarantine last. But yeah, I figured, I figured it was the far future of the of the mid '90s, um, which some shows were doing that in those days. And there's kind of like some of the cars were slightly different, but for the most part, there wasn't a big jump in technology. It seemed pretty much even like what Predator Two was in the future. And right. Yeah. It I don't was. know why they were doing that. Yeah. It was in the future, wasn't it? It was in the future, wasn't it? I want to say '97 for some reason. Yeah, that's right. Oh, my God, yeah. Even though the first Predator movie did seem to take place in the 80s. 86, yeah, then it jumped to 97. Hmm. Robocop takes place in the late 90s. That makes sense, too, Even though yeah. it takes place in the setting is the 80s. And yeah. it looks like the 80s, for the most part. When they're, when they're in old Detroit, it looks like the 80s. When they're, when they're doing Robocop stuff and it's all the TV commercials, it's the 90s. Yep, yep. And it's the same thing with Robocop 2. But when you get to RoboCop three, a lot of that fake product stuff is gone, and it yeah. looks like it's set in the ni- like set in the nineties. Nowadays, Detroit looks like the way it does in RoboCop. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, let's see. The Dart program is identified as alien. It, it's a deadly alien uh, regeneration training or something like that. Yes. Defense. Yes. Defense alien. Um, tr- it's die. Ah, I had the whole acronym written down and I completely screwed it up. But uh, yeah, I mean the the dart program is um, revealed and with the uh, with the uh, the way it's kind of like spelled out. Um, uh, in the episode, by the way, we have uh, Silas uh, Marner, um, and we also have the uh, psychologist, too, by the way, that's been, like, poking around or whatever, trying to get everyone to fill out their psych forms. Um, the uh, Silas, by the way, was in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Dave, Ghostbusters 2, and Junior, so he was an Ivan Reitman regular. Okay. Um, with the, uh, with uh, Marcy Wright, uh, who's played by Catherine Justice, um, I believe that is the psychologist. The one that's giving them the um, the psych test. Yep, we also liked I liked her a little bit too. Yeah, um, I think that's her right there. Yes, yeah, she, she's. Uh, she was in uh, Days of Our Lives, Dangerous Women, The New Adam Twelve, uh, T.J. Hooker, The Lottery. Nothing I'm overly familiar with. <laughs> but once again, I like that subplot of the 
the psych profile, which once again, you look back, um, especially at uh, psych's uh, apprehension to to go to fill it out, um, you know, and even down to when the recommendation for George to go under hypnosis, his first thing is he does the kind of stereotypes, you know, like, you are getting sleepy kind of things, and you look where, where you know, mental health really has come from 1990 to 2000, you know, 23. This picture of George doing this thing with his hands, who does this remind you of in regards to aliens? <laughs> Um, what is that famous TV show where the guy's like aliens? He's got his hands. Oh, the dude with the hair. The yeah, ancient, yeah, the ancient yeah, aliens. The aliens host. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and this is a famous like picture of George like doing this or whatever. And then and and uh, I I I, forgot, I completely forgot to ask Eric Pierpoint who, who plays George about this scene, about this image or whatever. But yeah, he's got that weird like I don't know what he's doing like, with with his hands. See, it's funny. This should be the new meme. I think you got something here, Doctor Chris. <laughs> you think this is going to be the alien stuff, and the listeners can't see this, but uh, <laughs> watch episode thirteen, Red Room of uh, Alienation, and you'll see what we're talking about. Our episode really ends with um, our episode. Our episode. Our episode ends with uh, uh, Matt admitting he wants to open the door and see Kathy, but he can't force himself to do it. And I, I like that too. Like. <laughs> From watching this, like, I, this show is better than I think has every right to be for its time. Mm-hmm. Um, now, granted, I think Matt's hair was very distracting in this episode in particular. Right. Where I feel every scene, it was different. A different version of a bad mullet. Like, it's not like a Kurt Russell mullet, who's one of the few guys that can pull it off. But it was very weird hair. That just was inconsistent in every scene. He does seem to have really weird hair. Uh, it's 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 rather unusual. Um. In bad wardrobe, like he's for the for the kind of Riggs version of the cop, the cop who you know you're loose cannon, but you get results, or the just bad bad T-shirts. I don't know. Once again, no, you should be the criticism. Like, he dresses like a he, he dresses like a uh, uh, he dresses like a slob compared to uh, George, who dresses like professional, like he's ready to go to work every day. Right, right, yeah. Right. Um, we're gonna take a uh, quick break for other podcasts and plugs and stuff like that. We'll be back in the next episode, Spirit of '95, the first episode of the new year of 1990. So that's why I said this uh, this this ep- this podcast recording will cover two episodes that carry over from '89. To ninety five, the uh, sorry nineteen ninety. The, uh, the first episode was in uh, middle of January, it's middle of December, and the second episode's in middle of January. So it does cross over into the nineties, but it's still pretty much an eighties show because of oh, the, yeah. the fact that they filmed it all in the eighties. So it, it's not until the team miniseries that they get into the nineties, and they actually get to the you know it takes like five years for them to get back to it too. So um, those five sci fi channel made for TV movies. Which is funny to think about that they're the five miniseries or whatever that they did back to back to back. Yeah, they did at the same time as uh, I don't know if you remember there was some uh, RoboCop miniseries oh, after the third RoboCop movie. And there was well, there was the the TV series, the RoboCop cartoon oh, that might yeah. have been uh, the Marvel Action Hour, Marvel Action yeah. Universe on uh, Saturday mornings if you're a certain age with Dino Riders. Um, but that's fine. I mean, Alien Nation, it did. I mean, it also had those comics too. And there those was, books. 
there was who there was a company. It wasn't Dark Horse. Now. I don't. It was was it now? Now they had, they had Green Hornet, Ralph Star. Yeah, now yeah, did them. yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 Fright Night, that Fright. awful Fright Night comic, which was not good. Fright Night, Married with Children, they had a Married oh, with Children. Oh, no, the real Ghostbusters, Slimer and the real Ghostbusters. Uh, I, uh, I think Freddy Krueger had a comic with them. I think you're right, yeah. Now really had a lot of licensed properties. Yeah. Why'd they go out? That's the next episode of oh. uh, the canceled uh, comic book shows. <laughs> what smells like shoe polish? Be quiet, we have a promo to do. I'm Jeff Ferry, and this is my hetero podcast mate, Chris Durkoch. We are the hosts of the Jay and Silent Bob Minute. We break down the Kevin Smith films featuring Jay and Silent Bob one minute at a time, starting with Clerks. I have a hockey game at 12. Chris, please. So if you've ever worked a dead-end job behind the counter discussing Star Wars while slinging coffee, nudie mags, and cigarettes... Cancer merchant! Cancer merchant! Settle down! Or if you ever leaned outside a convenience store, secretly hated all your customers, or closed your place of business to attend a funeral... You should join us at Jane Silent Bob Minute on DuelingGenre.com as we discuss the milkmaids, berserkers, and the significance of the number 37. In a row? Come for the clerks and stay for the rest of the Jane Silent Bob Minute fun. Right, Chris? I'm not even supposed to be here today. And we're back with the second episode, The Spirit of 95. Which is, I guess, the spirit of 1776. Is that the? I would think that's the that's the gimmick. Ah, uh, okay, for. yes, because it's a voting thing. As Susan yeah. and Buck campaign for the Tectonese uh, suffrage, bombings and kidnappings are linked to an anti-newcomer purist purist organization, and the purist uh, we haven't seen in quite a while, and they're back now. So if it's not the purist, the Tectonese have to deal with it's um, their um, overlords that basically, you know. Um, Dragged them kicking and screaming into this, uh, into the New slavery. Yeah, the slavery <laughs> society. Um, the the side plot about this whole episode is Matt having to become the um, the the tenant president, <laughs> <laughs> and Susan like, yeah, we voted you in. He's like, I didn't agree to this. Um, one of the one of the actresses in this or whatever who plays like I think she's like Mrs. Gilroy. Yes. Gilroy. She. I I completely forgot where I'd seen her from. She was Grandma in Happy Gilmore. She was in everything. I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. She was definitely and hasn't aged, you know, from 1990 to when Happy Gilmore came out. Yeah, she had been around for a while. She's passed away now. Yeah. Um, she was. I remember she was on My Name Is Earl. Um, I'm trying to see how far back her career goes. She was on an episode of The X-Files. She was in The Mouth of Madness. I remember that. She yep. was on ALF. Oh, yeah. I remember the episode of ALF she was on. But, yeah, I'm scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. So her career started in 1976 on Kojak and the Mary Tyler Moore show. Uncredited, really. Oh, wow. uh, but uh, I'm trying to figure out, what was her big thing? It's hard. She's Francis definitely... Bay, by the way, is her name. Yeah, if you don't know her name, you know her face because you're like, oh, it's her. I think... Happy Gilmore is probably the biggest one in recent years, that's that's for sure. But, I mean, she was on three episodes of uh, Happy Days. I think a lot of sitcom stuff. Okay. Like, I'm sure, like, you definitely, she'd be in some uh, Facts of Life, I'm sure. Right. I'm sure, give me a break. She was in Blue Velvet. She was Aunt Barbara. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that she got credited again in 2014 for it because it was, like, lost footage that was reinserted into it, so she's got oh, more okay. of a scene in it. Um, but I'm, like, trying to figure out, like, does she have, like, one distinct role? And I'm, like, it's got to be Happy Gilmore that, that people know her from, because she's in a lot of that movie. 
that's been a big the driving force in it. So yeah, I think for me, I know from 80s sitcoms, but yeah, definitely Happy Gilmore is where your most folks will will see her. She was an Inspector Gadget, like the live action version. Yep, yep. That's so weird. And the the oh, lawyer. she was old Phoebe and Charmed. Oh shit, that's <laughs> fine. I remember that. I remember like oh, Phoebe turns like really old. And the lawyer too was somebody. He's been a big character actor too. The the couple. Um, the one who's gonna sign uses his letterhead, uses letterhead to send to the uh, to build the ramp. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, that's right. Um, I do love that guy. He's like a uh, point of order, whatever. Oh yeah, he's great too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we start this episode with um, the newcomers wanting to vote, and they talk about how it took women forever to vote, yeah. and black people forever as well. I mean, it, and uh, so this whole episode is heavy on the politics about like whether or not what rights newcomers should have should they allowed to be allowed to vote yep. the purist or whatever get 10 million dollars a year from the government for their organization which i can't it, it sounds just like there's a lot of like anti-trans gay and more than likely anti-black and asian and puerto rican organizations that get that kind of money from government people but probably i feel like not the federal government yeah i feel like they get them from lobbyists and congressmen who don't like anything not white but i don't believe uncle sam at the tippy top of the biden poll is even at the trump level when he was president is allowing that to happen but I mean, I'm sure there's some conspiracy theorists out there that will say, yes, they are, because Trump, you know, still owned Trump companies or whatever. Right, right. Even though he gave it up to his son. Um, what's funny, this reminds me of a, a People to Watch in 2023 Boston Globe thing that came out. And if you know anything about the Boston Globe, <laughs> their People to Watch were the owner of Chick-fil-A, the owner of Hobby Lobby, oh. the owner of iTunes, not iTunes, yeah, the owner of um, uh, Google, the owner of um, some other thing. Oh, Dean Cain's on there, too. And Kevin Sorbo. And I'm like, wow, the only two actors you guys could get were Dean Cain and Kevin Sorbo. No Matt Damon, no Chris Evans. None of the Avengers. None of the, none of the Star Wars actors. No, you've got the guy who used to be Superman. Oh, it sucks. I used to like Dean Cain. God damn it. God damn it, Dean. I met Dean Cain one time, and I, I, I told him how, like, how, how great I loved him as Superman. I didn't know anything about his politics. Um, yeah. you know, he was so nice. He was so sweet. But, oh, years later, I come to find out, whatever, the whole reason why I got rid of Supergirl. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame. Yeah. It's, it's a bummer. But this, this episode has a lot about that as well, uh, because of the purist star the way they are. And, and George yep. can't blame, just out blame the purists because of him being a cop. And he, when he goes there to confront them, um, Sykes gets railroaded by the, yeah. the upper, the brass or whatever. Because George is not supposed to be doing that sort of thing. And I do love the purist leader is like quoting Genesis. Oh, God yeah. made us in our image and there's a man and a woman. And I'm hearing this a lot about like people who are anti-trans. Yep. And he made a specific point to say that. And I like when George even quoted the Bible back to him. Yeah. You know, um, and then there was a, a great line um, where he speaks in his native tongue and the D-bag's like, you know, I don't speak your language. And Sykes just goes, yeah, that's pretty universal. You know what he said. Like, you basically you told you to go F off. I wanted to see uh, the guy who played the purest leader. What, what, what was the name of the purest leader? Dickhead 4000. <laughs> no, that's no. not his name. Um, but I've seen him before. 
I mean, he was convincing. He was definitely convincing as that type of, of, that of dude. No. He was in Dogma. He was the board leader in Dogma. Do you remember the board leader in Dogma who um, is in, in, in charge of uh, movies? I don't. All right, let me just confirm that this is him. For some reason, he doesn't have an IMDb picture up. Um, and it's really freaking annoying. But he's the one at the very last minute after Loki goes around the room calling out what everyone's bullshit is or whatever. He whispers oh. in his ear and goes, he's your own son, you sick bastard. Oh, that guy. That oh, guy, yeah. 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 Oh, oh, that, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he goes on the, the, yeah. The rant, yeah. Oh, that scene was fucked up. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's crying. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's um, right here. Yeah, right here. Yep. That's him. That's yep. the purist leader. Yep, that's yeah, him. Yeah, okay, so that is him. So that that must be um that must be Mark Joy. The problem is that there's no IMDb photo, so but yeah, he, I think he's Whitland. Um and he was also in all these other things too. I guess he's still acting today unless he's passed away. No, nope, it looks like he is still alive. Nineteen fifty he was born. So he'd be in his seventies at this point. Yeah. Um but uh, I was just like, God, where have I seen this guy before? Where have I seen yeah. this guy before? But then he's right here. And that's kind of the fun thing about I mean, this is definitely on un- it's core, it's a procedural show. Right. You know, just throw in an, an alien. But I think with that, just enough, you know, so, so it follows some of the, not trappings, but you get character actors. You get people, you get that guy. Right. I mean, watch any Law and Order, you're going to see people, you know, that you've seen in some form or another. But I think it just twists, it uses the, the gimmick just to twist things differently. And I think that's what's was really surprising about this one. I did not expect this episode. And I didn't expect how went, how deep it would go into politics where George, who is an alien, you know, which is similar to, you know, how many more... Americans don't give a rat about politics, for the most part. Um, and, and that's the, the point part. Matt makes or whatever, because he, he admits he doesn't vote. Right, right. Because he gave up on it. After voting caused us to give nuclear missiles to somebody. I'm assuming the Saudis or whatever. At this time, in 1989, we, have, we would have... Don't forget, we would have traded stuff with uh, Saudi Arabia, and that come back and bite us in the ass with Osama bin Laden later on, right? Well, I thought it was funny that... They is, that is that true? Am I wrong? In real life or in the... Real life. In, in real life, life. yes. In real we life, did, yes, we yes. gave stuff to the Saudis, they create ta- the Taliban, and then we pay for it almost a decade later. Right, right, yeah, okay. yeah. You can see the receipts. Yeah, that was the whole, you know, <laughs> you know, that was the whole Bill Hicks joke, you know. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. How do you know they have weapons? Well, we sell the receipt. Ah, shit, when's the bank open? We're going, open at six, we're going at nine. And it's like the old, it's the it's the terrible thing against Bill Clinton that in 1993, the first World Trade Center bombing. Right, You right. know, we could have prevented 9-11 because we should have gone after them for that because that was proven to be part of that. That time frame, right, yes. right, right. Uh, and that's what Matt's talking about, anyway. So anyone's listening, make sure you watch the episode. Matt makes a point. I think they're trying to make a point about what was happening in real life. Exactly. Well, they mentioned the chemical weapons. He basically, which, that was pre-Gulf War. Right. You know, I know chemical weapons. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. We're, where are we? We are on the cusp. What was the Gulf War? 1990, right? 1991, right. Okay. It would have been, I want to say... Nine, 1991. So, yeah, the, he tried to protest... Chemical weapons, the government stopped doing chemical weapons, and they put their money into nuclear. So he took his toys and go home, essentially. But it's obviously a, a white male who's, who's dissatisfied with voting, but they already decided that, you know... August 2nd, 1990. So we are on the cusp of the Gulf okay, War. Yeah, so yeah. The Gulf War was building up in 
the early 90s. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. right on the, on the verge of that. For as much of a war as this was. <laughs> right, right. I think I not to discount anything that happened, it's not considered to be as... Let's just face it, this was kind of a ridiculous, like... It was, it was an occupation more than a war. Right, yeah. right, right. right. Did we ever actually go to war? Like, there was not a lot of combat, right? For the most part, no. I mean, it was kind of quick and... It was and like a scare of Saddam, uh, Saddam Hussein. Yeah, it was... I mean, I've had parties that lasted longer. I've had <laughs> than that. Um, yeah, that's right. August 2nd to 1990 to February 28th, 1991. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Because it wasn't, I really didn't get invested into the, what the the story of the Gulf War was until Three Kings came out with George Clooney. George Clooney was just like, "What did we do here? What was the point of us being here?" And I'm like, "How long was the Gulf War for? The Gulf War lasted for four months, six months. And that's it." She was really, I mean, kind of a little older than you, Doctor Chris. So I remember being kind of really scared. Yeah, and even like because um, you hadn't lived through a war yet. Vietnam yeah, no, was no. long over by the time you were born. And my dad, my dad was in the end of Vietnam in the evacuation of Saigon. So okay. I remember, like, my mom was even like, "Oh, they're gonna," and he was also in the National Guard afterwards. Right. So there was the award, "Oh, they're gonna call him back," you know. Which at that time, my dad was younger than I am now. So it's a weird time, and and it was kind of kind of scary. And then yeah, they started burning oil fields, and it was all over. Huh. Okay. It was a weird time, but I, I, it is funny, and I gotta say, I, there was a time where I shared Sykes' attitude on voting, you know, where I was a teenager, early 20-something, and thought it didn't matter, um, until a certain election happened, and W uh, won the second time, at least, and I started voting ever since, that's just me, but, um, but I, I was that asshole, it doesn't matter, I hate all politicians, mm -hmm. which I do, but still, you have to do it, you know, people who, but not that you had a soapbox, but... What, yeah, 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 no, I got you. But you cite... Uh, this whole episode is, is, a, is a soapbox in one way or another. <laughs> but you cite the, the women thing. Yeah. You know, minorities. I do love newcomers. Susan's line about, like, uh, when George is just like, the, the last, uh, the last, uh, uh... Headquarters got blown up, and Susan's like, "Well, we won't go to places that get blown up." Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I won't go to those places. It's like, no, they're gonna follow you wherever we go. And I love the fact that she's pretty much almost kind of lying to her husband, a lever. She's like, I, "I have a call on the other line." And George's like, "The other line?" Oh, that was the best. And then they pair of fans, and everyone is there, and you're just like, "Oh, this is not gonna go over well." <laughs> right, because she uses the new makeshift studio for the political headquarters. There is right. their house. And, uh, and so for, yeah. the other a newcomer in the episode, the other new new character newcomer is uh, you know one episode. Uh, Mark Taylor, Mark Thomas Miller, who plays Wyatt, um, and he was Wyatt Earp, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I love that. Uh, he was Jerry Schilling in Elvis and Me. He was in Ski School. Do you remember Ski School? I remember Ski School. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they do not make movies like Ski School anymore. Um, and that's it, really. He's he's not in a lot. Uh, I think he's still with us today. Yeah, he's still with us today. Born in 1960, just hasn't done anything since then. So, um, and then we have uh, Jesse, played by Henry Brown, who I swear to God, his IMDb photo makes him look like a cross between uh, Carl uh, Carl uh, Weathers, Carl Weathers, yep. and Uncle Phil. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He's got some serious. Like if Uncle Phil and Carl Weathers had a baby. I'm a good looking baby. Yeah. <laughs> Why would I bring up Carl Weathers today, right now, by the way? 
Why would I bring up Carl Weathers? What's two big things happening right now that came out this week? Uh, Creed 3. Creed 3, yep. He, the and legacy of him is in that legacy AM. And... Mandalorian Season 3. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he's the high counselor or whatever, the magistrate, oh, the high magistrate, which he has to keep correcting people. High magistrate! <laughs> I love Carl Weathers so, so much. So his, his toe has been in science fiction for a while, so oh, yeah, I, yeah. I wouldn't put it past him to be on a show like this. But at this point, he's already been huge because he's been th- four Rocky movies in Predator, plus yeah. whatever else he's ever done. Uh, Action Jackson? Action Jackson, sorry, yeah, cause, right, completely Jackson. forgot about that. So Action yeah. Jackson, so he's oh, already a huge star. Taking it back, Happy Gilmore. Call back. Oh my god, yeah, it's called back to Happy Gilmore from the previous episode. Uh, but I think alienation would have been way too low on his radar but yeah. i swear to god look up photos of this actor uh, boys yeah. and girls he looks exactly like him um and so this guy the the one that we're talking about carl weathers uh illegitimate Junior, son, yeah. brown maybe he's a cousin who knows earth two uh <laughs> he was at lethal weapon and lethal weapon three as two different characters plainclothes cop and squad member that's awesome scrooge kojak um Alan Quarterman in the Temple of Skulls in 2008. I don't know what that what? is. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't Look Back. Baywatch Nights. Yes. He did five episodes of that. That's oh, why I recognize him. He was a Hassos partner, right? I think he might have been. Was he? Oh, my God. But he was also in, let's go back to Black Widow, Black Widow Murders, the Blanche Taylor Moore story. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Blanche, who's Blanche Taylor Moore? She was uh, in Golden Girls. She was Dorothy's roommate. That was one of the Oh. Girls. No, no, I'm joking. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. That was Blanche Devereaux. <laughs> so we come to find out that the purifiers, the Puritans, the asshole Trump supporters, and, yeah, yeah. and, and uh, neo-Nazis, basically, what they are, the right, the alt, the alt, whatever. Right. They're not responsible. It's the it's the it's the alien and the black guy. So, which creates like an even more of like that that always being that it, it that reminded me of people always blaming saying oh um all uh, all. Not all not all Muslims are terrorists, but all terrorists are Muslims. Yeah, I which I've heard before. Yeah. That's not true. There are a lot of white ones as well, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to get much further into like but, the extreme religious people versus the non-extreme. Yes, there are more good Muslims than there are bad Muslims. Just but, like there are good more. I believe there are be- there are always, and I will always believe this because a friend of mine is such a good person. I think there are always good, better good cops versus bad cops. I would agree that. So, and yes, I'm, I'm not to say I don't think there's not a profession on Earth that hasn't had its bad legacy. We are dealing with this, uh, Michael Ravenshaw and I, with uh, the comic book industry because of some yeah. people have come out that we looked at as part of heroes, and they're unfortunately, you know, never been brought to trial, but the accusations have destroyed their careers. Warren yeah. Ellis being one of them. Yeah. Um, and even really great. interesting how they get the authority going, considering he's the writer of that. <sighs> And even artists who've come out and spoken very... Who has a giant superhero movie coming out this year? (laughs) Ezra Miller! Yeah, right, right, right. When I go to the box office, though, I'm not going to call it The Flash to buy my ticket for. I'm going to call it the Michael Keaton Batman movie. (laughs) That's truly... Like, motherfucker, sit on your hands. All people care about is Michael Keaton being Batman. all they care about. Don't kill anybody. And I know people will not support that movie because of their own problems dealing with abuse and people like Ezra Miller in their life. But it's like, I will look past that because I want to see Michael Keaton as Batman. And Ezra Miller is not going to get a dime from that movie, more than likely. Yeah. I guarantee he's not making some back-end point or something like that. What about the director? What about everyone else that worked on that movie that deserves something? And there isn't one person who deserves anything more than Michael fucking Keaton. Right. (laughs) Unless something bad comes out about Michael. 
But I'm pretty sure at this point, I would, it's fair to say that Keaton's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah Keaton's say, all right. I would say he's all right. Um, uh, I do love the fact that Mrs. Gilroy tries to give Matt, like, that crappy, efficient onions. Oh, yeah. Oh, this one of all that thing about that. This is gross. I'm sorry. Fish and onions together. Oh. There, was, there was that, and then when he was uh, going to his apartment and dropped his bag, and then the uh, the neighbor, Kathy, uh, Kathy he found some trash. He's like, oh, can I have this? Yeah. Knock yourself out. I do love how she yanks him into the, the meeting. He goes, oh, the meeting's going on. <laughs> she, like, literally picks, not necessarily picks him off the ground, but the, the, her, the, because of her strength, yeah, yeah. he is not resisting. <laughs> Which comes in later on in another episode. Like, she's trying to, like, he's trying to open a pickle jar, and she just... That's awesome. <laughs> I loosened it for you. Kind of a joke. <laughs> this is very much like somebody dating, like, Supergirl or something. Yeah, like right, that. right, right, right. Which, it was like, an, uh, one of the things I hated about the Supergirl show is they never... They never gave us a lot of like have Supergirl date like normal people and have to deal with like you know I'm on a date with Supergirl or something right, right. And, like you know what do I do like because well, they do that with all the time with Superman and I know they don't always want to typecast the female of her own show into a romance every five minutes right. which they did anyway FYI <laughs> but with Superman like Lois and Clark that was always a joke like Superman doing something as Clark behind someone's back or whatever and they're like oh it must have been open oh yeah I'm a, I'm a huge <laughs> he like just breaks the lock <laughs> I'm, I'm a huge mark for um, taking things out of the oven without his without yes um, I, I pop for it all the time like look he's doing it yeah you know, like, like, like Pa Kent would read where are your oven mitts I never had use for him dad <laughs> Yeah. And that happened on Lois and Clark, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Superman and Lois as well. Like, he just pulls something and Lois is just like, ow, 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 and he just grabs it. <laughs> yeah, small stuff. Smallville, like, Clark's, like, Smallville toasting. Smallville did that a bunch of know, times. Toasting his bread with his heat vision. Yeah, I love that. I love it. I, I can't get enough. <laughs> um, someone said, we we always saw Superman, like, shaving with the mirror. Do you think Supergirl would, like, do this with her arms? <laughs> <laughs> Put her leg up on the counter. Well, I can imagine a Brazilian. Uh, that could be... <laughs> Black label book coming and out. And if people think we're joking, go pick up what was the Supergirl comic book called, where it's kind of like a new origin story for her, um, without Superman in the book, but like kind of in the background, and she pops a zit in the mirror, and the whole fucking thing is filled with the bathroom. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so gross. Like she pops a zit, and it just explodes over the yeah, bathroom. Yeah. I'm like. Okay, the physics behind that make no sense. The zit wasn't that big on her face. <laughs> right, it wasn't like it was... No, yeah. at the very least, it would shot a hole right through the mirror or something. You know, kind of like Wolverine in the bathroom, whatever, the old people's house, yeah. where he <laughs> smashes the thing with his claws. <laughs> Those stupid-looking claws that are so fucking oh, big. Yeah. I do hope they pay stupid homage to that in the new Deadpool movie. Like, Deadpool makes a comment and goes, where do those go in your arms? It doesn't make any sense. Do you remember in your origin movie they didn't? <laughs> it will remain like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the like, audience knows. <laughs> um, let's see the last of my notes here. Um, uh, that is pretty much it. After they find out about the bombing, um, that, that's it. They, they, the, they pretty much... And it's it's a challenging thing. So you figure you're, you there's a line when he goes to um, the the head d bag. Um, yeah, the board member. The board member. Um, <laughs> and he mentions how you know we're actually up in the polls. He's like, yeah, I expected to be up more. This is how it, how that revelation came. Where yeah, that's the move. You would get more. You would get more votes. You know, really, real easy that you got released. 
from being kidnapped, you know, when he does the press conference in the clothes he was in. You know, there's a, I'm sure you've covered it, there's a racial term for the newcomers are slags. You know, they show his car that, like, way too much graffiti. That's like, it's an asshole amount of graffiti, even for a hate crime, right. on that car. Oh, my God. Right. Yeah, like, that's car. like, like, all right, we get it, you hate him. If it was for real, but that's a little... That looks like paint. It's not even spray paint. No one. It looks like they actually be... I don't know. It just looked... Something was fishy. Yeah. But it sucks when you realize uh, the bad guys aren't the bad guys in this case. The bad guys are the supposedly good guys. Dun, dun, dun. Or innocent. How about that? They're innocent of this crime. Um, George also doesn't get the reference bun in the oven. He's like, Susan, did you leave buns in the oven? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because um, she's pregnant. I love like... She's got the pod. Which, by the way, I, okay, I, I'm really confused about that whole thing. If, if you're if you're aware, the guys give birth, but Susan carries it. Does it get transferred to George to give birth? That's what's really confusing because Susan is pregnant with whatever the actress is pregnant. She's, a bulge. She's got the bulge, but George is the males of the technies give birth. What? I, it's coming up soon because right. Matt Matt is the one who helps George deliver. No, wasn't that done too in um, Enemy Mind? Enemy, thank you, Enemy Mind. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I love that movie so much, but when I was probably like eight or nine watching, it, oh I was, god, oh, that's a little weird. <laughs> but I was still on board. A little too young for you. <laughs> I just, I'm like, huh? But you know what? I let it go. I love Lou Gossett Jr. and Dennis Quaid. Um. But that is weird, because they're, they're, well, their physiology is different, too, so they're, like, their sensitive area is their side, right? Right. That's where, like, the kick to the groin would be. Right. Have, like, their sensitive spot. Um, bringing up, trying to bring back the episode, Chains of Love, Spirit Night, here we go. <coughs> um, so you said you were 13 years old when this episode came out, by the way? Yeah, it would have been, yeah, yeah. 89, 90? Yeah, I'm also, bo- my birthday's in December. So, so you would have just turned fourteen then. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, I just want to see if there's any reviews about the episode. There are no reviews about the episode. There's no continuity errors about the episode. So that's all the notes I have about this episode. Just wanted to double check. Um, so, by the way, Alien Nation is owned by 20th Century Fox. I mean, Disney could do something with it. Well, there's there's a lot of world building. Like, I mean, how many and. For our lifetime, I think we've seen a lot of shows that have tried to come after movies. I mean, arguably, what, MASH is the most successful? Um, yeah, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But to, all right, fair, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. which improved upon... Yeah, which, in terms of ratings, you're, you're going to nail it with MASH. Buffy was not a huge rating success, but it was a cultural phenomenon. I mean, the right. last cultural phenomenon like that was Xena okay. and Hercules, yeah. which were still airing at the time. Yeah. Uh, the X-Files. Okay, yeah. Um... And I can't think of... Oh, Babylon 5 to some extent. So the lower, lower card, but yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. and then whatever happened... Was, don't forget Star Trek was on its big, like, let's have three shows running at the same time. Next Generation and DS9 started. Then Voyager. That's true. Yeah. The so. movies, and that was, that was... And now we have, like, three Star Trek shows running right now. Picard, Other Worlds, <laughs> and Discovery. It just announced it will be their fifth and final season, which is, like, fine. Let's, let's not yeah. go forever with that. And now everyone's like, you know what we need? We need a Catherine Janeway show as the Admiral. I'm like, what? Her pencil pushing at a desk? She's not commando a starship right now. 
now. She's basically ch- kind of in, like high up in Starfleet, which would be fine. But you gotta right. man, you gotta write that well because people gonna want to see zap zap zap. Right, not like <laughs> pew pew pew. <laughs> you know, yelling, make it so, and fire the thingamajig at the thing. Right, right. Have you seen the new Picard show, the new season? I watched the first epi- the first episode of. Um Season one, yeah. Um, but I am I, I can't wait. Um, I do want to check it out. I love I, I, I'm I love, Riker Mark. I, I love I love Next Gen. Yes. I, I do I but do. Episode one of season three is a big Riker Picard do stuff team up thing. And cool, it's great. It's what you wanted from like Luke and Han in the new movie. Okay, that, sold. That's all I need to know. I'm a hundred percent in the belief that somebody at Paramount was watching the reaction of the new Star Wars and going, okay, let's not do what they did. Let's if we're gonna get the crew together one last time let's get them as many as we can now i'm not the third episode they're not quite all there yet but there's enough of the main characters getting together that it's slowly building okay. but in the first two episodes you have picard and Riker doing picard and Riker stuff whatever That's what I want. That's and they're not restrained by their commands anymore so they're kind of going a little bit off the cuff and doing oh. things outside the bubble a little bit and not to spoiler too much or whatever but they have their good moments together it's, you know cool. you know it's 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 good stuff and, and seven of nine has been like every single episode so if you're a big seven of nine fan she's there all the time. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, 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 I'm super excited for that. I can't wait. I yeah. can't wait to watch those. Yeah. But like to, to like see it. So we have those. What? Remember, remember the Ferris Bueller live action TV show? Remember? I mean, I, oh, my Private God. Benjamin. And I like that. But for the most part, it, it's there's a lot of world building in the only two episodes I saw. Let alone, you know, the the. Well, if the 10 you've seen prior to this yeah. one, or 11 prior to this well, one. Well, it's also season two. And I don't want to reveal what season two is, but season two is a lot of Star Trek stuff from Next Generation people liked. Oh, I'm sorry. They didn't like season one. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant, I meant uh, Alienation. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Back to the show we're talking about. <laughs> Back to the book, yes. But no, there's a lot of world building already um, from what the movie created. So I'm really fascinated by this. I think this would be killer nowadays. Like remake this uh-huh. do with the TV now. Yeah. The TV of nineteen eighty nine ninety. You know this could be a really dope show. I think in my interview with uh, Kenneth Johnson, the creator of Alienation, we talked about this, but I don't remember exactly his answer about like you know. But we all agreed that Alienation is so relevant to today more so than it was in nineteen ninety. Yeah. Because I don't think. I was a child, so I don't really remember. But I don't... I know the Rodney King thing was happening soon. But I just don't think it was as feverish with the racism and the anti-this and the anti-that and why do they deserve rights and the like bills like against women's rights and trans rights as much as it is today as it was in the 90s. Yeah. You know, I know Roe versus Way came about in whatever time period that was. but 70s. 70s so, but I, it's, it's definitely feel like there's a lot more people voicing their opinions about what rights they deserve to have today versus in the 90s, especially because of social media. And social media didn't exist in Alienation's time. Right, right. So I really think there would definitely be, and I don't think it should just be like a remake. Just don't do a cop drama show again. You know, have it be a continuation. Bring back an actor or two, whatever, to make it carry on yeah, a bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Eric Pearpoint. So... Like, we'll have to wait and see. Like, how would that world keep going? That's a, the, the magic trick of sci-fi. Yes. Is they can do that. I mean, look what Star Trek was doing yep. before we were born. Yep. You know what I mean? And still doing it, I'm sure. Right. Um, you can take any kind of social commentary, and sci-fi is your part Maybe horror to an extent. Mm. But you can... You can... Uh, do your story. Nope, it's not real people. It's science fiction. Right. But, huh? You know... It's just funny that they have so many people against 
the Tacanese in this, no matter what skin color you are. You know, the Tacanese are the new minority. It's kind of like that movie Blight or whatever it was with Will Smith. Jeez, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, it's the same same kind of thing, in my opinion. Well, down to Watchmen, right? Back yes. The comic, you know. Yeah. The only way for the humans to unite is someone we hate more. <laughs> yeah, the superheroes. <laughs> um, and you notice, too, I noticed uh, Gail Ann Hurd was in the uh, credits. Yes, I think she, uh, I mean, she was a big producer at this point. Yeah, yeah. So, and, uh. Great track record. Yeah, I mean, she's still doing it today. Um, Walking Dead was re- her recent thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Michael, where can people find you uh, every week? Cool, yeah. If, you, uh, if you're you feeling masochistic, you can check out me and my compatriots on Trick or Treat Radio. Uh, the, we do a live show Thursday nights on YouTube. We go on air around 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We discuss one film, usually horror-related, um, and we general pop culture, nonsense, argument, dick jokes. The audio drops on Friday mornings on all the podcatchers. We've been doing this for uh, 10 plus years, and uh, come hang out with us if you wish. And you can find previous episodes of Alien Nation that we've covered here on the Dead TV Podcast. Go on the Dead TV Podcast Facebook page or send us an email at radiohorror at gmail.com if you've missed anything that you wanted to hear more about. And we'll be back in a couple weeks, I think, with Mr. Zeneca returning here on the Dead TV Podcast, continuing coverage of Alien Nation. 